0: Today's reading will come from Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 6. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Maybe see. It's good to be with you this morning appreciate your attendance today. I hope you've got your Bibles and have them opened up to Matthew chapter 18. If you didn't have the opportunity to get an outline on the way in, there were some available uh, out in the the foyers, and and take a look at those as well. Our lesson this morning is titled, Good Gifts for Children, and I picked a a Sunday. I think the hardest part about this whole process, when Tyler goes out of town, is choosing a topic. (laughs) It's, it's a challenge when you, you fill in just occasionally. And so I thought today with the majority of our teen group being gone, maybe we'd just talk about them for a little while <laughs> and talk about some good gifts for children. Now, I don't want you to check out. Maybe you're here this morning you don't have children. Maybe you're here this morning and your children are, are adults. Well, this lesson doesn't apply to me. I, I would encourage you to stay with us because it does. I think it applies to all of us. Whether they're your children or someone else's children or the, or the children you're around at church, I think the Bible places an emphasis over and over again on children. I think the passage that Brother Gary just read for us shows the significance of children. And I think you and I as Christians need to do the best that we can to help encourage and uplift and to raise up our children. Full disclosure, I preached this sermon for the first time on August the 24th of 2014. Jace was one week away from being a year old, and man, i got a lot different perspective now <laughs> than I did uh, being about 51 weeks into being a parent. Uh, I heard of preachers before teaching sermons on parenting before they'd had children and then going back and preaching them later uh, after having children. One, one fellow said that it went from the Ten Commandments of parenting to after the first child, the 10 rules of parenting to after the third child, 10 suggestions if you've got kids. <laughs> it, it, it changed a lot because it's life, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that come up. This is how I love for things to be. And then life comes along. How can we balance it all? How can we have a, a life? How can we encourage them at school? How can we make sure they're involved? How can we make sure that they're socially developing, but at the same time, make sure that they're growing up to be uh, Christians, and growing up in the way that the Lord would have us to lead them and to encourage them. I, I want to suggest to you this morning, if you've got an outline or if you don't, write these two things down. This is going to be an overarching theme, and I didn't put them on the outline anywhere. But I want you guys to keep these two thoughts in your mind as we go through the whole lesson this morning. Number one, it's three parts. Be intentional, be specific, and be genuine. Be intentional, be specific, and be genuine. And then the second thing is a, is a thought. And I heard a speaker, I think, at Posh in the Pulpit years ago say this. Your, your children are going to catch colds. They might catch a cold, but your children are not going to catch Christianity. And I hope you know what that means. You, you, you can't help but catch a cold. And, and especially, you know, COVID a couple years ago, this time of the year, the weather's changing, the kids go back to school. If your children are out and about and around, they're going to catch a cold at some time. Nothing you can do about it. It just happens. But if you expect that same logic, that same philosophy in terms of their relationship with Christ, that maybe someday they'll catch on and decide they want to become a Christian, you're, you're gambling their salvation on the fact that they're going to catch something just by being around it your children will catch a cold Uh, they're not going to catch christianity there's got to be something there back to the first point intentional specific and genuine about us making sure that our children become christians the passage that was read was matthew 18 but if you go back a few chapters earlier to matthew chapter 7 your children are going to ask you for lots of things But they're not always going to ask you for the things that they really need. And that's kind of the thought of our lesson this morning. What are good gifts for children? In Matthew 7 and verse 9, Jesus said, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him So let's look this morning at some good gifts for children. Number one on your outlines, you and I, as parents, grandparents, as those who are around children, you and I can give them security. You and I can give them security. And I think security comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. Um, the, The most recent type of security that comes to my mind is the tornado that came through. It's been difficult for many of you with children, especially that were around the path of destruction, to be able to make them feel secure the next time a storm comes through. The first day that the tornado sirens went off on a Saturday to test, we were, happened to be at the farm. People were, were, were panicking, even the adults. My heart raced. I knew it was coming, but you heard the sound and the scare. Or the next time that you're at home at night and the wind blows a little too hard the fear the things our kids don't always know moms dads grant we're scared sometimes too aren't we but one of the things we can give to our children is security the first one here talks about finances and then the bible speaks to that letter a financial security is a good gift for children proverbs 13 and verse 22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous and so I wanted to get that point, number one, first and foremost, and out of the way. And I want to tell you why, because I, I, I think some of us focus on number one, letter A, maybe more than we do B and C, or the rest of the outline. And I want you to know that that's okay. I, I think there's something scriptural here. Proverbs 13, says it is. If you've got a college plan for your kids to make sure they can go to, there's nothing wrong with that that's not unscriptural if you've got a wheel in place to make sure that your children get some kind of an inheritance nothing wrong with that it's scriptural like that's fine to give financial security to your children so we'll talk about it first very briefly and we'll move on nothing wrong with that but that shouldn't be our sole focus our focus should be on things like letter b our love is an essential gift that our children desperately need uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, here is talking about how the older men and the older women are to treat and act and respond and the things they need to teach the children. Titus chapter 2, and verse 1 says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, be reverent, be temperate, sound in faith, watch it here, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Church, did you notice it? In verse 4. Older women teach the young women to love their children. I'm afraid sometimes that we might mistake what love is. I'm afraid the world's trying to convince the church that love is something different than what you and I have been taught that it is. Experts today say things like that you're not supposed to say no. Don't tell a child no, it hurts them. Experts today might tell you to never discipline a child that that's not the appropriate way and i'm using the term experts very loosely experts might tell you not to admonish your children experts might tell you to let the children find their own way experts might tell you to let the children make their own decisions regarding religion but the bible says in titus chapter 2 and verse 1 through 4 to teach your children to teach them to love their children hebrews 12 and verse 6 says that the lord whom he loves He chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. Our children must be loved. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter of the Bible, right? And I think we misuse the chapter a lot. We use it a lot of times to relate to relationships between husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, future spouse, uh, that sort of thing. I think that's fine. I think there's some application there. I think the chapter was written talking to the church, the way you're supposed to love each other within a congregation. But I think you can apply it in that relationship as well. What do you think about replying that to your relationship with your children? If we're going to love our children, what does 1 Corinthians 13 say about your children? And I'm going to tell you, this sermon this morning is not for y'all. I mean, I'm glad you're here, but this sermon this morning is for me. There are a lot of things in my life when I went through this that I thought, uh, I can do better. Look what 1 Corinthians 13 says about love. Love is Patient. Don't raise your hands, but parents, when's the last time you've lost your patience with your child? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. Love is not rude. Have you been rude to your children? Love is, now watch this one, pull your toes back. (laughs) Love is not irritable. That 700th question on a Saturday morning at about 6.15 a.m., did it irritate you a little bit? Are you lost because you got irritated? I don't think so. But do we need to watch ourselves sometimes? Not irritable. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Letter B, we need to give our love to our children. Letter C, another great gift is for their parents to love each other, for their parents to love each other. Our children need our love, but they also need to see our love on display for others. Wives, love your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5 and verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband i've heard it said before that when you raise your children you're raising your grandchildren's parents hadn't thought about that that's true and you're raising the parents of your grandchildren someday and so are you instilling in them the kind of things that you hope that they instill into their children do you show your love for one another husband and wife but not just your husband and wife do you show your love outside of the household to others matthew chapter 5 43 through 48 You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, what, church, that you love your enemies. That you love your enemies. You bless those who curse you. That you do good to those who hate you. And you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Church, you and I need to make sure that we love our enemies. That our children see in our lives how we act, how we treat, how we interact with those that we don't agree with. The things that we say in front of our children. What if they're saying the same things? I think I've heard Tyler speak about it. I've spoke about it. You've spoke about it. Do as I, know. Oh huh? Do as I say. You know the rest of it. Not, not as I do conversation in the car you have to turn around to the back seat and say hey they all don't repeat this (laughs) anybody ever had don't raise your hands now any of y'all ever had that conversation in the car you turn around to the kids in the back hey don't y'all repeat this well mom dad michael if they shouldn't repeat it what (laughs) maybe i shouldn't be saying it whoever it is we're about to talk about There's scripture about gossip right even if it's not gossip the way we treat our enemies A good gift for our children is to show them how to love one another. Number two on your outlines this morning, we should give our children guidance. We should give them guidance. Matthew uh, chapter 18 verses 1 through 6 is what uh, was just read for us this morning with Brother Gary. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus asking this question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They asked the question, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus, instead of rebuking them, instead of scolding them, instead of uh, 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 being rude to them, Jesus gave them guidance. And in the next verses, He called what to them? A little child. And He gave them guidance and He demonstrated it and He showed it to them that this little child, if it's in the kingdom of heaven, would be greater than anyone that's not. He gave guidance to His apostles letter a there so part of that guidance is that you and i need to give them the gift of discipline we need to give them the gift of discipline i I like to laugh if y'all been around me very much one of my favorite gifts for for christmas this year uh, amber got me uh, after i begged for it seven eight nine ten times uh, at cracker barrel they had the 365 day of the year calendars right And, and jace wanted the 365 days of history and that's great proud for you but I wanted the 365 days of dad jokes. <laughs> this is what I wanted. And so on my desk at work, every day, I can't wait to get to work now because I rip off the, the, the calendar. And some of these jokes are pretty lame. Like some of them you just, and you're like, oh, that's, no, that's, that's lame. But I love to laugh. I love jokes. I like Tim Hawkins. I, he's a comedian. As far as I know, he's clean. I've watched several of his things. I know it's not an endorsement for him. But there's one thing that he says <laughs> in his skits that I've watched over and over and over again, and it makes me crack up every time. He says his favorite thing to give his children, he said, I give them the gift of no. <laughs> I give my children the gift of no. And then there's a whole episode he goes through in all the different ways. He says, I get creative with it on ways that I tell my children no. And he's got a whole bit that he does talking about telling our children no. Weston asked me for something the other day. I don't remember what it was, but I told him no. And he said, well, why not? Valid question. I said, I haven't told you no in a while. And I need to see how you respond. And he looked at me said, that don't make any sense. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. But I no, you're getting told no. Sometimes your children need to hear the word no. Just to build character. I can tell you as an adult, I don't always get told yes. But you know, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 13 and verse 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Why? Why do you think that is? You think it's interesting, these two passages, you know, Proverbs 13, 24 says, don't spare the rod. If you love him, you'll discipline him. But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, not to provoke your children to wrath. So you're not disciplining them just for the sake of, of, of discipline. You're not disciplining them just for the sake of showing the child who's boss. You're not disciplining them just because you're bigger and stronger than they are. You go back to the passage there in Ephesians 6, 4. You don't provoke them to wrath, but you bring them up. By training them and admonishing them. There's a purpose behind the discipline. And I think this is from the book of Michael, my opinion. You don't have to agree. I think sometimes we disconnect and we forget the training and the admonishing part and we focus on the disciplining part. And the child leaves confused. I know I wasn't supposed to do that, but I'm not really sure why. And we need to do a better job. The Tidwell family needs to do a better job. I can't speak for yours. The Tidwell family needs to do a better job of making sure the child knows why the discipline took place in the first place. And training and admonishing and explaining why the discipline is happening. But the Bible says that you and I, if we're going to give good gifts to our children, we need to give them the gift of discipline. Letter B. It's the most important point on your whole outline. Start, circle it, underline it, highlight it. We must give them the gift of the gospel. Amen. We must give our children the gift of the gospel. Second Timothy chapter one and verse five. Paul reminds Timothy of the excellent faith of his mother and his grandmother, and it was a great faith, and it was part of what made Timothy so great. But he also reminds Timothy in chapter three, verses fourteen and fourteen, 14 and fifteen, rather, that you. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Church, you and I have got to start our children off with the gospel, but we need to encourage them to continue and to grow it go back to the three points i said at the beginning right be intentional be specific be genuine your children for them to be able to have the gospel for you to be able to give them the gift of the gospel it's, it's got to be intentional it's got to be intentional there's a child about my kid's age that went off a while back to compete in a rubik's cube competition and i saw some stuff on like, it, the kid can do it blindfolded amazing We've got some rubik's cubes my kids can't work them you know why they can't work them one reason might be they don't have the skill another reason i know is because we've never spent any time trying to teach them how to work them. they play with them some we've never spent any time trying archery y'all know about archery in the state of kentucky like down here in west kentucky there's going to be some really good archery teams. Uh, jerry uh, luke grantham been in the state championship ty's been in the competitions max is in the competition you got some kids here in this congregation that are great archers is that the right phrasing they do the bow and arrow good is what I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to say. They're really good at it. My kids aren't. You know why? We've never spent one second. I've never even had a bow and arrow in the house. Well, how do you think these other kids got so good at, at archery? They spent a little time, what? Practice. You show them how to do it. You teach them how to do it. You spend time. You work at it. You get better at it. The Bible Bowl's coming up, the local Bible Bowl. I saw in the announcements I think Pete's going to do here in a little bit. Practice starts on Wednesday at 5.30. We're going to spend time practicing for the Bible Bowl. There's a basketball tournament coming up, the regional tournament next week. The high school teams are spending time this week. What do you think they're doing? Practice. Why, why are you doing And then you get out on a court or at the archery tournament or at the Bible Bowl, and a team does really good It's no coincidence. It's intentional. It's specific. The gospel should be the same way. We must make sure we spend time in teaching our children the gospel. They might catch a cold, but they're not going to catch Christianity. Let us see. You and I need to uh, guide them, especially when it comes to, to marriage. We need to help our children with marriage in first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 the bible says do not be deceived evil companions corrupt good morals and i think that this marriage situation teaching the children about marriage and who they're going to marry starts with the dating we talked about it in our teen class this morning you're not going to marry every person that you that you date but someday you will marry a person that you have dated And so the thought of like, well, they're just dating. It's not, we'll just let. Be conscious about who your child is dating. Give them guidance when it comes to marriage. And finally, number three on your outlines. Church, you and I need to give our children the gift of ourselves. Being unselfish with our time. We need to give the gift of ourselves. Letter A there, this is my opinion. It's difficult to invest too much in a child. I look around the auditorium this morning, I see school teachers, I see counselors, I see bus drivers, I see Bible class volunteers, I see those that have volunteered to work with children. You know the importance and the significance of investing in children, whether it's financially or prayerfully or with your time, you know the significance of investing in our children. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And Paul goes on to say that I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Church, I'd submit to you, you and I will never regret the time invested with our children. And it brings us to the last point this morning. You and I need to make sure that we give our children our time and our attention. Matthew 19 and verse 14, you recall Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of search is the kingdom of heaven. Children are children. They're going to be loud. They're going to run. They're going to break things. They're going to talk when they shouldn't. They're going to say the most awkward things at the most inopportune times. <laughs> But our children need our love. Our children need our guidance. They need it in more than just school. They need it in more than just sports. They need it in regards to their souls and their salvation. Church, the best place that you and I can start in doing that is with our own souls and our own salvations. How can we convince our children the significance of being a Christian when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves not living the kind of life that is consistent with a Christian? If you're here this morning, parent or not, and you've never put on Christ in baptism for remission of your sins, why wait? Be that great example today. Do it for your own soul, but also do it for the sake of your children. Perhaps you're here this morning as one that's put on Christ in the past, but maybe you're not living the kind of life that's accordance with the will of God. Maybe you're not being the kind of parent you need to be. You need the prayers and forgiveness of your children. Or maybe you're doing all the things that you can do and and maybe this morning you want the prayers for for your children because of things in their life. Whatever it may be, whatever sin it may be, whatever way we could help you at all this morning, if we could help you in any way, would you please come while we stand and sing?